So today I'm going to do two letters. The first one is going to be a prayer by Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano uh, for the United States of America. It's a beautiful one. And the second one is going to be a response by Archbishop Vigano. He gets an angry letter from this nun and he responds back to the nun respectfully. The nun herself is not very respectful. She um, She's a Dominican uh, that is of the order of St. Dominic. And she's an activist. Uh, the photo of her, she's not dressed like a nun. She's one of those ladies that uh, just pretty much is definitely into liberation theology. And she's angry because of his support for Donald Trump. And uh, the fact that he also uh, holds that there's a, that Vatican II is very bad. He even called for the resignation of Pope Francis because of the McCarrick scandals and everything. So, well, uh, I want to do this this introduction. So, if it sounds a little off from the first one, which the first one is going to be the prayer, and then after the prayer, we'll we'll do the uh, this particular reading here. All right. So let's begin first with. Archbishop Vigano's Prayer for America. This is going to be a prayer for the United States of America by Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, composed by His Excellency himself. All right, so let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. A prayer for the United States of America, composed by His Excellency, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. Almighty and eternal God, King of kings and Lord of lords, graciously turn your gaze to us who invoke you with confidence. Bless us, citizens of the United States of America. Grant peace and prosperity to our nation. Illuminate those who govern us so that they may commit themselves to the common good in respect to your holy law. Protect those who defending the invaluable principles of the natural law and your commandments must face the repeated assaults of the enemy of the human race. Keep in the hearts of your children courage for the truth, love for virtue, and perseverance in the midst of trials. Make our families grow in the example that our Lord has given us together with his most holy mother and St. Joseph in the home of Nazareth. Give to our fathers and mothers the gift of strength to educate wisely the children with which you have blessed them. Give courage to those who in spiritual combat fight the good, fight as soldiers of Christ against the furious forces of the children of darkness. Keep each one of us, O Lord, in your most holy, sacred heart, and above all, he whom you, whom your providence has placed at the head of our nation. Bless the President of the United States of America, so that aware of his responsibilities and his duties, he may be a knight of justice, a defender of the oppressed, a firm bulwark against your enemies, and a proud supporter of the children of light. Bless the United States of America 
and the whole world under the mantle of the Queen of Victories. Our unconquered leader in battle, the Immaculate Conception, it is thanks to her and through your majesty that the hymn of praise raises to you, O Lord, from the children whom you have redeemed in the most precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There you go. So, that was by Archbishop um, Carlo Maria Viganò, composed by His Excellency himself, a prayer for the United States of America. All right. This is a letter. Everybody's saying you must read it. Open letter, Archbishop Carlo Maria Viganò, just published in response to an open letter of criticism of him published by a religious sister, head of the Order of Nuns. Okay, she's the head. Okay. This is July 10th. Archbishop Viganò responds to an open letter of criticism. Open letter, Viganò from Sister Antonita Pontente. I guess I pronounced her name wrong, but hey. We are deeply indignant at the words that you, a Christian and a bishop, have written in support of President Trump, the proponent of a policy that in recent months has shown itself to be increasingly discriminatory and violent, both with regard to the health emergency and these latest events of racism, it seems to us that using scripture to justify the political violence of President Trump is like giving pearls to swine. According to the evangelical words, do not give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot. She's quoting Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. The language that you use in your message to the president of the United States letter of June 7th, 2020 stuns us as women, Christians and Dominican religious, but at the, but at the, the denounce the ambiguity of your thoughts and your position in which moreover employs a dualistic and discriminatory language. Okay. Continue. We cannot accept the member of the magisterium of the Catholic Church could use the scripture to support a policy that goes against every evangelical principle. We already we we had already deplored your call for the resignation of Pope Francis, but now it seems like a true and proper blasphemy to us to use the biblical term children of light to declare that Trump and also you and your entire entourage are victims of a particular ecclesial and social uh, political conspiracy to deny the evidence of these recent racist actions taken by members of the police, which have been supported and defended by President Trump himself is something that we consider to be contrary to the gospel. The children of light whom you speak about so much are those who walk in the light, see clearly and denounce what they see with boldness. <laughs> All right, let me see if I can pull this up a little bit here. 
In substance, the absence of your exterior and visible signs of your religious vows appears to me to reveal implicitly your desire to hide your religious identity with the risk, however, of leaving yourself in an interior void that no ideology of the world will be able to fill. Uh, this is a quote responding uh, Archbishop Vigano. All right, so let's continue. Neither Je This is her words. Neither Jesus of Nazareth nor his first male and female disciples ever said, blessed are the strong and arrogant, the oppressors, but rather blessed are the humble and meek, the lovers of justice and peace. Even in the precariousness of our human and historical condition, we cannot understand how you could forget this message and extrapolate with Johannian uh, with the Johannian message of light and darkness in order to support the, a government as violent as the present government of the United States, violent in words. It, it is enough to see the message of President Trump in recent days, also in actions, not only with the United States, but also in the foreign policy and it, its international relations, even to the point of wanting to appropriate a vaccine that like every other method of treatment ought to be the patrimony of all humanity. We are truly appalled, but at the same time, we are confident that these re regregations of ra uh, racism, with which you attribute, make it a huge and confusing error to the children of darkness, find no place in the human soul and above all in the soul of, of those women, men who are suffering, we women religious feel that we are truly daughters of Eve, but not according to the metaphor you have used. Rather, we think that certain attitudes such as the language that you use are not nourished by the children of Eve as you say, but rather by a homophobic and thus discriminatory mentality such as President Trump, whom you support, displays. Know that we too pray for Trump and his, con and his country, but not with the same intentions that you hope. For we pray as women of faith, with the same words that true biblical tradition has taught us. We ask to work together so that the humble, not the rich, may be exalted. We ask that the powerful and the bullies who humiliate and destroy the hope of people may exists no longer that those also we pray for Trump and also for you who say that you support him. It should be clear, however, that we are on the side of the weakest and oppressed, certain that it is only to them that the wisdom, wisdom and that the rulers of this world do not know has been revealed. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. Okay, that's her... Uh, letter. Okay, she's a theologian of the Union of Dominican Sisters of St. Thomas Aquinas and Community. Uh, for further information, you got to look her up. Now, the next one will be Vigano's response. Okay, Vigano's response. The truth is always discriminatory when error places itself into question. Do not be provoked by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. Psalm 36, verse 1. Dear Reverend Mother, I have read the open letter that you sent me last June 17th. Also on behalf of your community, a letter that you wrote following 
the letter that I sent to the President of the United States, since you address yourself personally to me, I ask you to give me space on your site to respond to you. I, we may, I remain bewildered by several expressions in your letter, not only those regarding me personally, but also the showy misrepresentation of reality in accusing President Trump of being the proponent of a policy that in recent months has shown itself to be increasingly discriminatory and violent, both with regard to the health emergency and these latest events of racism. In truth, I do not see how one can make him responsible for, th for the events of racism, which have arisen in a context in which the police and the local government are in the hands of the Democratic Party which had been proven by evidence that little by little emerging had been orchestrated by the false flag financed by the globalist elite precisely in order to oppose the Republican Party and the president currently in office at the international level. Trump's term of office is the only one for a long time in which the United States has not started any military conflicts, and in many cases, peace treaties have been established and foreign military deployments have been withdrawn. The, the military deployments have been withdrawn. The, the economy was in strong growth until the COVID emergency, and thus also the protection of the rights of workers. Here's a, here's a mighty quote here. If you maintain that establishing public order and demanding respect for the law is a discriminatory action, I fear that I have to remind you that civil authority has a moral duty to impose respect for the laws. And in order to do this, it is permitted to use proportionate force. Archbishop Vigano. We'll probably get to that quote soon. <laughs> if then you maintained that establishing public order and demanding respect for the law is discriminatory action, I fear that I have to remind you, this is it, remind you that civil authority has a moral duty to impose respect for the law. And in order to do that, to do this, it is permitted to use proportionate force. This doctrine is taught and wonderfully explained by St. Thomas Aquinas, the patron of the institute which you belong. I do not believe that the president is violent in words and also in actions. Certainly no more that those who in their own political program for favor and support the killing of millions of children right up until the moment of, before birth. And even after this, after birth, this violence much more hate, hateful, since it, since it rages the most against those who are the most defenseless, do not appear to me to be quite to be in accord with your commitment as a religious sister. You re uh, reprove me for using dualistic and discriminatory language. In fact, it is precisely that that. And I think that is, it cannot be otherwise when what is in question is the eternal battle between good and evil. The truth is always discriminatory when error places it into question. Light is also discriminatory for it does not tolerate darkness 
or those who hide in it, just as our Lord. The stumbling stone is discriminatory and divisive, who will gather the just to his right hand and drive out the wicked to his left. You are my friends, if you do what I command you, says the Lord. Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 4. The condition for friendship with God is obedience to his commandments and his law. In the bond of charity, this too is discriminatory because those who abuse their own freedom and do not confirm it to themselves, to the will of God, who do not conform it themselves to, to the will of God, will not be able to rejoice in his beatific vision, nor participate in his eternal glory. In the same way, the sixth commandment, which condemns sodomy as a sin that cries out to for vengeance before the face of God was given in a homophobic and thus discriminatory mentality. St. Paul he, uh, discriminated just as Christ discriminated, and so too in the Eden, the Eternal Father discriminated, driving out our first parents who had disobeyed him. Here's a quote, another quote taken out. The truth is always discriminatory when error places itself into question. Light is also discriminatory, for it does not tolerate darkness or those who hide in it. Archbishop Vigano. All right, let's continue. This is Archbishop Vigano continuing. But if this discrimination made us through our own uh, made us through our own fault deserving of divine punishment it is also merited for us ever since the fall of our first parents the promise of a redeemer born of a virgin of a new adam and a new eve it was this dualist version that led our fathers toward the promised land in the abandonment of idolatry and the adoration of the one true god the martyrs too discriminate when they prefer to face torment and torture rather than burn incest to idols. The doctors of the church, including the angelic doctor, discriminated when they fought against heresies and preached true doctrine. St. Dominic discriminated when he preached the, the cross. You too, Reverend Mother, discriminate when you take positions against my words. Okay, and against, my, against Trump and against the discrimination. You discriminate when you speak of we women religious, placing an accent on women that seems to want to claim that a role that is not based on adhesion to the order will by God, nor to the uh, admission of the apostles of the Gentiles. We, uh, you state, we ask to work together so that the humble and not the rich may be exalted. We ask that the powerful and the bullies who humiliate and destroy the hope of people may exist no longer. You recall, Reverend Mother, that the humble of whom the gospel speaks are not necessarily those whom today's world exploit for cynical projects of social engineering, nor the many who are torn from their homeland in order to, uh, to pander to the plans of destabilization that always enriches the uh, the usual people and the rich are not always and necessarily evil if providence has granted them material goods he asks them to become his cooperators in 
remembering the poor and needy, nor are the powerful to be blamed if their power is placed in the service of good. It is those who abuse their power and the authority given to them who merit blame from the citizens and divine punishment. All right. All right, let's continue. These are his words. I fear that your words find too much space for the thinking of the world. Rather than a supernatural vision supported by sound doctrine and fed by solid piety, in substance, the absence, the absence of exterior and visible sign of your religious vows appear to me to reveal implicitly your desire to hide your religious identity, perhaps in order not to offend others' sensibilities, with the risk, however, of leaving yourself in an interior void that no ideology of this world would be able to fill. And yet it is precisely this that we ought to expect from a daughter of St. Dominic and St. Thomas, to ensure that the legitimate aspirations of the least ones find their own most authentic roots in revelation. In the Christian social order, in the faithful application of the social doctrines of the church, because there is no charity where there is no truth, you teach me that they are both essential attributes of God, and it is not possible to love God if one does not also unconditionally welcomes the integral truth that he has transmitted to us in the Holy Church the ark of his of the salvation you write it should be clear however that we are on the side of the weakest and oppressed certain that it is only to them that the wisdom that the rulers of this world did not know has been revealed first corinthians chapter 2 verse 8 i imagine that in that group of the weakest and oppressed, you include the fathers and mothers of families who want to give a Christian education to their children, the many who are daily persecuted simply because they profess the Catholic faith, the millions of innocents that the modern Moloch sacrifice each day on the impure altar of abortion, the elderly whom economic interests and speculations condemn to abandonment or death because they are considered useless, the children ensnared in their most tender years by the infernal ideology of gender, the young people corrupted in their morality by LGBT, though the elderly faithful of St. Louis who were assaulted a few days ago by a group of people who praise Black Lives Matter. In conclusion, your open letter confirms that I have written many times that the alignments are being more clearly defined day by day, and this is certainly a tribute to the truth that permits many to understand what is really happening, which is which side each person intends to align with. To you, Reverend Mother, and to your community, I send my heartfelt blessing, entrusting myself to your prayers. Signed, Carlo Maria Vigano, Archbishop, July 6, 2020. Saint, the, on the day of St. Maria Gorati, Virgin and Mother. All right. So, this is quite clear. It, if you see a photo of her, she doesn't dress like a religious Dominican. She doesn't dress like a religious Dominican at all. She looks like a 
activist. She looks like a old seventy, like a woman from the seventies, and you know she's dressed very fashionable. She's wearing a fashionable dress. She's got a a purple bracelet on her wrist. She's a woman who has turned her back on the classic Catholicism. Her Catholicism is social activism, is social justice, is liberation theology. And that's the problem. If you study these people, they, they've they given up. I mean, I remember uh, um, Martin Sheen did a film. It was in black and white. It was called Catholics. And, he, and it was basically kind of like a very apocalyptic. It was, uh, he played this guy that was sent from the Vatican to study these monks living on an Irish uh, island. And they practice the mass in Latin. And, you know, there was a, a few words, you know, you know, each one sort of examining him. And he kind of referred to the old Catholicism as believing pie in the sky, and that's what happened because a lot of them have taken the gospel and they've made it earthly. They, they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed of the old Catholic. They're embarrassed about heaven. They're embarrassed about hell. They're embarrassed about sin. They're embarrassed about repentance of sin. They're embarrassed about holiness. They're embarrassed about holy people people who practice holiness. They're embarrassed by preaching about heaven, preaching about hell, preaching to people about sin. They're embarrassed. They're embarrassed of Christ and his message. They wish that the gospel could conform to the world. They themselves have conformed to the world. So what happens? What happens? I mean, think about it. If we believe, we truly believe that Jesus Christ is true God, God incarnate, the word made flesh, and that he really died for our sins. Really, do we really believe this? Do you believe this? I know I believe it, but I know that God puts all of us to the test. He puts me to the test every day. And the problem is, is that a lot of us are afraid to be put to the test. We are afraid to be put on stage in front of everyone. We're afraid that we might, maybe we're, our faith is not strong, that we may find ourselves humiliated and embarrassed. We don't want to be made a spectacle of. We do not want to be made a target of. But the problem is maybe that's exactly what we need. We need to be become targets. We need to be put to the test. We need to strengthen ourselves. We're, we're very comfortable Christians. The Christians in the past, hell and heaven was real to them. All right. When Nero went around persecuting Christians, yes, many knew that if they agreed that, that they said that they believe in Jesus Christ, they will not denounce Christ, that Christ is King they believe in the gospel. They believe in the message. They believe that Jesus died for their sins. That they themselves, that if they die, they will be rewarded with heaven. Thomas More, when Henry VIII put him on trial and decided to have him executed by having him beheaded, Thomas More prob most likely believed to himself that, fine, take my head. I'm going to run to heaven. 
And you're going to make the path to heaven a lot more easier for me. That's what, that's what the Christians in the past believed. That dying for the gospel, they will, the path to heaven, the doors to heaven will be open to them and they will run easily to heaven and gain their place with Christ and forever be there. After that, there are no more trials and there is no more pain and there is no more fear. That's how they thought. The problem with us is, is that we don't think that way. We're afraid. And rightfully so. It is pain is terrifying. I mean, look, some of us go crazy just for the mere fact that we have a toothache. All right. We don't want to live with that. We, you know, we're afraid of being late for work. More than we are afraid of going to heaven. More than afraid that we are facing hell. We're afraid. We're terrified. We don't want to be put to the test. We don't want to fail. But at the same time, do we really believe? And that's the biggest fear we have. We're afraid. Now, I could have read the, um, the letter that, um, that she talked about. She was offended when he called for the resignation of uh, Pope Francis, but it's a long letter and it goes through a lot of details, details about McCarrick, dates and times. And um, I'll maybe I'll try to break it down because really it could be quite a boring letter because it's, it goes into legal, a lot of names and it may not be as exciting, but I need to edit it so I can focus on the main parts. But the main thing that's really ugly about this is that she was more offended of him calling Pope, for Pope Francis to resign than she was of the mere fact that Pope Francis put a serial homosexual pedophile back into action. She was not offended by that. She was not offended of the fact that there were victims about McCarrick's victims. That's what really should bug you guys. That should bug, it bugged me. She wasn't offended by that. She wasn't even, it's almost like that completely was, was irrelevant to her. That Pope Francis put a serial homosexual pedophile back into action. All right, I'm going to end it here and uh, we'll be back together again soon. All right, so God bless and stay safe and have a holy Sunday.